All right, Matthew chapter five, we're in a series called Sermon on the Mount. Um, it's Jesus' longest recorded sermon here. We find ourselves in verses 17 to 20. We've established a couple of things. One is that the whole point of the gospel of Matthew, beyond just showing Jesus' ministry, he, he wants to show us, right, that Jesus is king. Right, that's the point. Jesus is king. And, and secondly, he wants to show us that, that Jesus is king over this kingdom, and you're going to see this language, if you're reading through the book of Matthew, this language used often and regularly that, that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So, as you and I know, there are kingdoms, so there must be people, right? You can't, you can't be king over just land. You've got to be king over land people, right? That's the point. So, who are the people? Well, well, we know the, the people are the citizens of this kingdom, and the Beatitudes show us, right, like the, the, the person that's in this kingdom, the, the type of character that you see in the kingdom. And then Dan preached um, last night. Give it up to, for Dan Cooper, by the way. Um, let me tell you something about Dan Cooper. Dan Cooper preaching on Thursday nights to Campus Focus, and then on Sunday mornings he's teaching in the young adults, so his plate is full, and I think we should just add to his plate. I'm sure he would love that. Um, he he uh, taught last week about salt and light, and, and essentially salt and light is what is our purpose in this kingdom, right? What, what is our mission? What, what do we do in this world? And, and today we're gonna focus on something different. Um, what I think Jesus is going to point us to is, is a, a different idea, not so much um, um, what we do, not our purpose, not so much who we are, but I think he's going to try to help shape, he's going to help shape us uh, on how we think, what we should think about. So um, open up your Bibles, Matthew chapter 5, verses 17 to 20, page 810 in the Pubeck Bible in front of you. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. If you'd like to underline, I would underline that phrase, to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Couple of thoughts. First thought is, how many of you in this room Love rules. If you are a natural rule follower, raise your hand. Come on high. You love rules. All right. How many of you in this room? I raised both my hands because you guys know I'm ornery. How many of you in this room are not rule followers? You'd like to just cut the corners? That's, that's right. We're just here to, we're here to follow the spirit of the law, right? So, so when it says the speed limit is 55, that means, right, we... <laughs> We, we just drive a little faster than what everyone else is driving, right? Um, I'm a 75 in a 55 mile power zone, okay? Don't judge me. Don't judge me. I don't have time to wait. 
on that highway in that intersection for you to make to decide what you're going to do. You just follow me and I will get you there. I am not a rule follower. And for some of you in this room who are rule followers, you are stressing out like you love rules, right? Like I, you see the exit sign and you said, oh, that's where we're supposed to go. I'm the guy that says, ah, maybe let's go somewhere else. Let's check it out, right? Like some of you go on vacation, you have it planned out. You have the itinerary. It's printed, it's laminated, and you're ready to go, right? You go to Disney World and you're like, this is all we're going to do. I'm more like, ah, we'll figure it out when we get there. Um, it's going to be fine, right? Um, when they say like, you know, Anyway, I shouldn't use that example, but I'll use it anyway. When they say you should wear a mask, maybe you don't because, hey, it's okay. Oh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> that's, not, that's not what I'm meant to do. <laughs> that's not what I'm meant to do. I'm just not a rule follower, right? When you, tell me, when you tell me to do something, I'm just more like, ah, we'll see. We see how I feel. If I'm in a good mood, I'll follow the rule. If I'm not, which is mostly the time, I'm just not going to follow the rule. Um, here, I'm trying to build the, I'm just talking because I'm building the bridge back to the sermon because I'm, now I'm off the rails. Um, so, so Jesus is talking about the law, right? For, for the Jewish people and the Jewish culture, the law was an identity marker, right? Think of, think of the, the 10 commandments in every law. Think of Leviticus, right? Deuteronomy, like, for the Jewish community and the Jewish people, the law was an identity marker, right? It's the name badge. Have you ever gotten a polo or a t-shirt or some swag from your job and it had the, the, the logo of, of your job and you wore it proudly, right? Like, because you're proud of where you work. You're excited about where you work. They gave you a nice Under Armour polo and you're wearing it out. They gave you a nice Yeti with the name on it and, and you want to show everyone, yes, I work here. Why? Because it's an identity marker. It shows people where, where you're from. It shows them what you do. It shows them who you work for. The same thing with the Jews. Same things with the, with the religious leaders. They love the law because the law gave them purpose. It gave them identity. We are the Jews who follow the law, the law that was given to us by God. They love rules. In fact, they love the rules so much, right? Beyond the Old Testament, the religious leaders thought, hey, maybe we should add a couple of hundred more because we love them so much. We, we love rules. And the rest of us are just like, oh, no, like... Can we figure out how to do this without you telling me what to do? They love the law. Interesting enough, Jesus says in this passage, the whole point of Jesus' passage in this section is, I've come to fulfill the law. What is Jesus talking about? Why, why does he pause in the middle of his sermon and say, hey, we're talking about beatitudes. We're talking about character. We're talking about where character bears fruit. We're talking about our purpose in this world. Why does Jesus say, like, hey, I have not come to abolish the law, but I've come to fulfill it? Well, the reason why Jesus kind of pushes the pause button on his sermon to tell them that he's not come to abolish the law is because, you know, everything that they're hearing, the disciples, the religious leaders, the people that are there are saying, man, this guy is radically changing everything we know about life. 
Because the Beatitudes and salt and light are not, are not in the law. That's, that's not what we're commanded to do. We're isolationists. Like we're, we're not supposed to be salt and light in the world. We're supposed to be to ourselves. So they're looking at him and saying, man, this, this is completely different from what we know to be true. And Jesus is saying, before you jump to conclusions, I want you to know that I have come. I have come to fulfill the law. That's his purpose. It's simple. And what Jesus is going to help us, you and me, right? So, okay, you and I are like, uh, okay, that's great. We don't follow Old Testament laws, right? Like, we're not over here, you know, a couple of, couple of hundred people in this room, right, are not here bringing in lambs that we're going to slaughter on the altar, right? Like, we're not doing that. We don't, we don't follow the, the ceremonial laws, the civil laws, right? We've, we may follow the, some of the moral laws, but... But we don't follow law. I mean, we meet on Sundays. The Sabbath is on a Saturday. What are we doing here? Right? Like, we're not, we're not here to do that. But Jesus is, I think, overall pointing to a deeper obedience, a deeper meaning. And he's going to show us how we ought to think about the law, how we ought to think about him in relation to the law, and how we obey the law. And it's interesting enough, right, like when I'm reading this, there, there's so much truth in this passage for us because if you think about our culture and our society, right? Like, like what Jesus is going to show us, he says, this is the right way of thinking and this is the wrong way of thinking, right? And, and I think that's true for us even today. We, we've built an educational system that is all about truth, right? What is right and what is wrong? We built a, a system where, where we learn the right information contrast to the wrong information. And this is what Jesus is going to accomplish here. He's going to show us the right information, what we ought to believe, how we ought to think, how we should correctly think about the law and think about him in relation to the law. So verse 17, the first thing that Jesus is going to do is instruct his disciples on how and what they should think about the law in relationship to him. And when he's talking, like I said before, about the law, he's talking about Genesis all the way through Deuteronomy, right? What are the five books of the Old Testament? What is the Torah? Ready? Here we go. Sunday school class test time. Ready? The first book is what? Genesis. The next book? Genesis. You guys are fantastic. You got an A. There's stickers in our resource center. Um, called tithing envelopes that you can, um, <laughs> sorry, that is a bad joke. I am tired. I was, I've been working seven days a week and I'm feeling ornery. Um, so he's talking about the Genesis to Deuteronomy. And then when he's talking about the prophets, he, he's talking about the rest of the Old Testament. And he's making clear that his purpose is not to dissolve the law. He's not going to undercut it. He's not going to deconstruct it. He, he's not going to destroy it. His purpose is not to contradict the law. His purpose is to fulfill them. Jesus loves the law. You know that Jesus loves the law, right? Why do you think Jesus loves the law? Well, because he's the one that gave it. Right? Like, Jesus, second person of the Trinity... The triune God is the lawgiver. 
So, so Jesus loves the law. But what he's gonna show us is, right, that, that, that the way we view the law is not the way we should view the law. What Jesus is going to show us, right, and this is true for us because you might be saying, oh, well, we don't follow autism in law, but we have laws here in, in our Christian, unspoken Christian laws, right, that, that we view Christian laws like things that we ought to do, things that the, the things that we should be doing, the things that, that are intrinsically part of our lives, like we look at those things and, and we tend to think that if we accomplish all those things in our lives, that somehow, some way, we are made righteous. Right, like, have you not experienced that in your life, right? Like the unspoken rules, the, the, I need to pray every day, I need to read my Bible every day, I need to go to the Bible study every week, I need to um, serve every single week, and then the time that you don't do that, you, you feel like you're the worst Christian. How many of you have been there before? I do it all the time, like when I don't, how about this, you wanna hear something crazy? There are days that I don't read the Bible. <gasps> And then I feel awful. I really do. I feel awful because I'm like, well, I'm the guy that's supposed to read it, right? Like, I get paid to read it. And I don't read it. And it makes me feel awful. Why? Because I have viewed the Christian walk as this, as list of things that I have to accomplish, that, that these are the boundaries. This is the guardian of, of my faith. And, and what guards my faith is reading the Bible and praying and, and seeking after the Lord. And, and, and I, if I don't sin this week, I'm a really good Christian. If, if I would just keep my mouth shut, I wouldn't have to apologize so much People wouldn't look at me. People would look at me like I'm the best Christian, right? Like I struggle with that. I think we all struggle with that, right? That if we, we look the part, play the part, that people are gonna think we're super duper Christians and we got it all put together. But the moment we fail, we feel like the worst person on the planet. Cause like, how am I gonna get my life together? Like, am I not supposed to be reading my Bible every day? And I'm not talking about just reading it. I'm talking about like, you know, if I don't spend 30 minutes reading my Bible, I'm just like, I'm the worst Christian on the planet. Sometimes I read my Bible for 30 minutes and I'm like, what did I just read? I don't understand this. I don't get it. I've just been reading to read it. Or when I'm praying, I'm just praying to pray. God, help me with this. God, I need this. God, I need this. Do this, do this, do this. And I'm just like, after a while, I'm just like, ugh, I feel terrible. Because I'm like, I didn't really feel anything. That, that's true for them too, right? Because, because the Jewish community, because they identified with the law so much, they viewed their faith, they viewed their life as, as trying to accomplish the law in every way possible. But the problem is they thought that if I can accomplish this list of things of what God has given us, then I am seen I am known by God as being righteous, but we know that not to be true, right? That's not the lost purpose. But here's what Jesus is going to do. He's going to do this. He's going to say, okay, I'm the lawgiver. I've given it to you. Not for you to think, mind, not for you to think that if you accomplished 
every single one of them, you are in good standing with me. No, what Jesus is going to show us, and actually we see this later on, that he's going to show us this. You cannot accomplish the law. Right? The law is there for you to see that no matter how hard you try, you will never be perfect. The law is there for you to see that this is my righteous standard. This is the most righteous standard that I can come up with. And you are going to fail every single day. Why? Because of sin. Sin would not allow you to accomplish every single one of them because this is what true righteousness looks like. And Jesus is going to say this, and he's going to show us this. I'm going to fulfill the law. And when I fulfill the law, I'm going to make you righteous. Right? So, so, when, so when I make you righteous, what God sees, he sees me. That's the whole point, right? God treats Jesus as though we were the ones who committed the crime, right? Like he looks at Jesus and pours down his wrath. So when he looks at the cross, he sees his son. When he looks at us, he sees Jesus and what Jesus accomplished. That's how we're made righteous. It's not the law. You see, they don't get it. We don't get it, right? There are entire denominations in our culture, right, that you have to dress a certain way. Women, you have to, your skirts have to be to the ankles, and that train has to be dragging because we ain't going to see nothing, right? Like, the sleeves have to be to the knuckles because we don't want to see that wrist. You have to read a certain translation of the Bible. This is the only translation you ought to read. You got to sing these certain songs. You can't sing these other type of songs. You can't have these instruments in this service. You have to have only these instruments, right? Like, we got to dress a certain way. We got to think a certain way. We got to act a certain way. We can't listen to non-Christian music because, ugh, that's bad. Particularly that country stuff. <laughs> right? Like, like we... That's what, that's what denominations do. They're all about behavior modification. And then those are the same people that look at the Jews. They look at the other ones. Oh, they got it wrong. It's like, you got it wrong too. We have it wrong too because we have placed laws in our lives that identify us as true Christians. And then we judge everyone else by those laws. Oh, they, they dress a certain way. They act a certain way. They think a certain way. Ooh, they didn't bring their Bibles. Mm. They have an NIV Bible? <gasps> you gotta be kidding me. They listen to that music? They don't like hymns? Right? Like, we, we put laws. They listen to that? They listen to Elevation and Hillsong? Ooh. Right? Like, hello, who are you? We put these laws somehow, some way, and we think that is the standard by which everyone has to live. And Jesus is saying, no, I am the standard, and you're going to fail every time. But what I'm going to do when I fulfill the law, I'm going to accomplish it in you. I am the standard. See, but they didn't get that. So what Jesus is saying in verse 17 is don't think 
that I've come to destroy it. Don't think I've come to undercut it. Don't think I've come to deconstruct it. I'm going to accomplish it because you won't be able to accomplish it. And in verse 18, what Jesus is going to show us is his commitment to accomplishing it, right? He says, for truly I say to you, until heaven and earth have passed away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. And the question for us this morning, has the earth, has the heavens pass away? That's not rhetorical, it's for you to answer. No. So what does that mean? He's going to accomplish it. That everything in the Old Testament that was commanded from Genesis all the way to Revelation, right? Like everything that God has promised, everything that God has said, everything that God has commanded, Jesus is going to accomplish. And the earth and the heavens are not going to be destroyed. The new heavens and the new earth are not going to come down until I have accomplished everything. That is God's commitment to us. That is God's faithfulness to us. Isn't that freeing? Isn't that freeing for us? That everything that God says, everything that God's going to do, he's going to accomplish it. And the only thing you have to do, the only thing that Jesus requires us is an obedience, to follow him, to trust him. You don't have to have that long list, that long laundry list of like, this is all the things I got to do this week to be a really good Christian. Jesus says, I'm going to accomplish it. Here's when. When all is said and done. I love verse 19 as well. Because this is a required obedience. Look at verse 19. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom. This is an interesting idea. We'll talk about it later when we get to the end of the Sermon on the Mount. But if you look at the Beatitudes, the Beatitudes were characteristics of lowly people, gentle people. And this is the first time in the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus actually establishes that there will be people who would be low and great in the kingdom. And there seems to be a contradiction here because, because in the, the Beatitudes you read, you're like, wait a minute, these are like really, really low, humble, gentle people. And then, no, Jesus is saying, like, no, you want to be great. In my, there, there's a way to be great in my kingdom, right? And the way that you achieve that greatness is by obeying the law. Now, the question we ask this morning is, do we have to obey the Old Testament laws? Here's a simple answer. No. But here's another answer. It's probably a good idea not to commit murder. I'm just saying, right? Like, so when you hear... Don't, no, we, we're not under the old, old covenant. We're not all under the Old Testament laws. You probably shouldn't, you probably shouldn't lie. You probably shouldn't steal. You probably shouldn't commit adultery, right? Because listen to what Paul says in Romans 14. Paul says, for sin will have no dominion over you. He's talking about Christians. He's talking about true followers of Jesus. He's talking about, in Matthew's language, the citizens of the kingdom. And he's saying, sin has no dominion over you since you are not under the law, but you are under grace. Think about it this way. All of us live in the state of Ohio. Amen? 
Those are one of the questions that the teacher gives you the answer, and it's like everyone should say, should get 100 on it. We all live in the state of Ohio, right? We do not live in the state of New York, correct? We don't want to do that, right? Like, because we live here. So what does that mean? It means that we are governed by the laws of Ohio. We are no longer governed or we are not governed by the laws of New York. We follow the laws here. And what Paul is saying is, right, that, that we follow, follow the laws of grace. But does that mean that the Old Testament laws are done with? No. What Jesus is going to point to is a deeper obedience. What Jesus is going to point to is, no, you don't have to obey the letter of the law, but you surely have to obey the spirit of the law. You surely have to obey what, what God has commanded. That, yeah, we don't have to purify ourselves before the Lord, but we ought to be pure in our hearts, in our motives, in our intentions. We don't have to sacrifice animals to, to appease God's, God's favor or, or forgiveness, but we surely should, should sacrifice our own hearts and minds and our agenda to obey God and what he's called us to do, to do what is right, to do what is just, to do what is merciful, to do what is kind. Right? So, so what Jesus is saying here is that, that we ought to obey the spirit of the law, what God has commanded. And there's a promise. I don't know how this works out. I honestly don't know how you're going to be great in the kingdom. There's going to be uh, hopefully billions of people there, right? I don't know how you're going to be great. But Jesus says, you'll be great. My favorite verse is verse 20. Um, here's why I like verse 20. He says, for I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Here's why I like verse 20. I'm going to give you a short clip. Um, if you ever want to venture to read Matthew 23, I think this is Jesus's one of the best chapters in Matthew because everyone loves to think that Jesus was this like nice, fuzzy, oh, he loves everyone and he's like so sweet and kind and he never says anything that's like super jarring. No, like Jesus was rough around the edges, right? He wasn't sinful, he never sinned, he was perfect in every way, but he, he was rough around the edges. Like he said what he had to say and he didn't care, right? He, he, he spoke truth. He spoke truth in love, but sometimes it was hard to hear. And I want to read to you in Matthew 23, verse 25 to 28, what Jesus says about the Pharisees and the scribes. He says, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. Imagine that being in the room. And he just calls you out and says, you are hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisees, first clean the inside of the cup and dish, then the outside also will be clean. Verse 27, woe to you, teachers of the law, the paid professionals, right? Like the religious leaders were like the people who got paid to study the law, to obey the law, right? 
The Pharisees were the religious sect. The scribes were the interpreters of the law, right? Like these were the paid professionals in Jewish community. And he says, woe to you, teachers of the law and, and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside, you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside, you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. This is a great indictment on the religious leaders, the holiest men of the Jewish community. And what Jesus is showing here, he's showing them that their outward righteousness will not save them. Here's why, because on the inside, the inside of their hearts, their motivation of their hearts, their motivations of their thoughts and behaviors, right, is purely rotten. There's no fruit, right, think of the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes is a contrast to the, to the religious leaders. They weren't men of character. They were rotten, evil men. Why? Because they obeyed the law on the outside. But on the inside, they were wicked because they only wanted the law for their selfish gain. They only wanted to accomplish the law so that everyone in the community can say, oh, that person is the best. That person gets it right. And Jesus is saying, no, you actually don't get it right. What Jesus is saying is you don't become righteous by just obeying the law on the outside. And he's also telling us, right? He, when he says, don't be like them, he's not telling us, hey, you, you, need to, you need to be more vigorous in obeying the law. That's not what Jesus is saying. He isn't saying that you have to be more meticulous in obeying the law, that, that it doesn't say that you have to be more vigorous in obeying the law. What he's saying is that you don't have to be like them in their way of thinking, thinking that righteousness can be obtained by your obedience to the law. Righteousness cannot be obtained by ob obedience. You cannot obtain holiness and sanctification. You cannot receive God's goodness by you checking off the box on all the good things you do for Jesus. The way that you are made clean, the way that you are made righteous is by the power of Jesus, the power of the Spirit. It's nothing that you can do, and this is the truth for the Jewish community today. They can't understand how they can be forgiven of sin without an outward expression of works. And we believe as evangelicals, you are not saved by your works or your good deeds. In fact, your good deeds mean nothing. They're like filthy rags. How are you saved? How are you regenerated? How are you restored into good relationship with Jesus? By Jesus fulfilling the law in us. By Jesus being obedient to the law and being completely righteous and taking his righteousness, placing it on us so that we can be seen righteous by God, so that we are completely made righteous when Jesus returns. Citizens of the kingdom are different from the religious leaders. The religious leaders put much emphasis on the letter of the law, but Jesus was looking for something very different from their standard Jesus was looking for a deeper obedience. He's looking for a deeper trust. For us this morning, we should free ourselves 
from the burden of trying to obtain our good standing before God by the things that we do. That doesn't mean you stop doing them, right? What I'm not telling you is, hey, now that we live under grace, do whatever you want. What I'm saying is, don't think, right? That's the whole point of this section. He wants, he wants them to, to change the way they think. Do not think that you can be a better Christian by what you do. Because here's what happens. You, you accomplish that one thing and it's not good enough. And then you accomplish something else and then it's not good enough. You have to think. You have to understand that you are made righteous because what Christ has done in you. Not what you have done for him. The world looks and says, no, celebrate what you accomplish. Celebrate what you can do. Celebrate your gifting and your energy and your strength. No, the, the gospel says, no, celebrate what Christ has done. He has saved you. He has made you clean. He has made you new. Celebrate him. Do not conform to this ideology that, that now... Now that we have Jesus and now that we're following Jesus, that, that I have to keep, I have to keep all these things together. I have to accomplish them all so that I can be in good standing. No. He's already, he's already made you righteous. You don't have to do anything else but just faithfully obey. Let's pray. Why don't you take a moment, an opportunity, ask the Lord to search your heart and your mind. What, what are the legalistic laws that you have placed in your heart and your mind? What are the things um, that you do that, that give you an assurance of your faith that are works-based? What, what are the things in your heart that you've been holding on to that, that keep you from believing and knowing, right, that that you are made righteous apart from your good works, but what Christ has accomplished. God, thank you for your son Jesus who has accomplished the law and who will accomplish it. Thank you. Father God, that you have made us right by the power of your son Jesus. Thank you, Father God, that we are under grace. That we are not saved by our good works. We are not in good standing because of the things that we do. We are made right. We are made clean because of your son Jesus. We pray this in Christ's name. The people of God say, you guys are dismissed. We'll have staff members, our prayer team, and elders up at the front to pray with you, to talk to you, to get you connected. See you guys next week. This has been a message from the chapel. Thanks for joining us today. For more information about the chapel or any of our campuses, including Akron, Green, Wadsworth, Kenmore, Cuyahoga Falls, Nordonia, and Medina, please go to our website at thechapel.life.